You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a, a little bonus edition of Rico Bronia. As you heard the other day, our man Pete Hoffman and Tommy Lugauer did a great job talking about the four-game series against Colorado, a little old-timers day, the feelings of being a Met fan. So kudos to Pete Hoffman. Kudos to Tommy Lugauer. Uh, I had a pretty good excuse for why I didn't do the Rico Hoff, and I haven't told you this, but I should let you and the audience know at the same time that on Sunday night, it was my anniversary. I know that's boring. Nobody cares. But it was also our comedy event that we hosted along with Pete Alonzo. And Pete did an outstanding job. He actually went on stage, told a great story. He brought a few of his friends, a few of his teammates came along. And on Sunday night at the Paramount, I had a chance to have a discussion, to have a meeting, if you will, with our Lord and Savior, Steve Cohen. What? Are you serious? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. So later on in the podcast, I will discuss my discussion with Steve Cohen. What did I say? Was I a fanboy? What did I suggest? Because there may have been a suggestion. What occurred in the face-to-face meeting between Steve Cohen and me, Evan Roberts? And what did Craig say? I don't know if I'm at liberty <laughs> to say what Craig said. <laughs> was it was it R-rated? Yeah. No, it was actually very, very funny. Um, I think I probably could say it, but maybe I'll let Craig say that when we return to the airwaves after Labor Day. So on this podcast, today, I'm not going to go back and talk about the Rocky series. I think you guys did a great job covering it. Uh, mostly we'll talk Old Timers Day, little preview of the Dodgers series, and I will discuss my meeting. My meeting. Met the guy for five minutes. My meeting with Steve Cohen. But let me start off with Old Timers Day. Because as I was in City Field on Saturday afternoon and the ceremonies were taking place and the shock retirement jersey announcement of Willie Mays occurred, my phone blew up. And the first person who texted me was actually the architect, as we call him, the big boss at WFN and Odyssey, who needed to know, Evan, do you approve of this? Because I have been outspoken and I, and I lost the battle, so I'm not angry about it or I don't really talk that much about it anymore that 
I wouldn't have retired Jerry Kuzman's number, and I wouldn't have retired Keith Hernandez's number, and I never meant it as a slight towards either guy. My simple opinion, my minority opinion, I totally understand, was that I like that the Mets had a very high standard for retired numbers. That outside of Casey Stankle and Gil Hodges, who weren't players, the players who had retired numbers were Hall of Famers. George Thomas Seaver, Mike Piazza. And I like that. And I was okay with the David Wright amendment, kind of like the Don Mattingly amendment, a career-long Met. Like, I would have been good with that. So it wasn't like I was ever angry about retiring Keith's number or Jerry Kuzman's number. It's just that I happen to have this belief, my dad as well, that I like the fact that the Mets had a very high standard for retired numbers. Okay, they changed that. Not going to relitigate that. So the question was, oh, are you okay with Willie Mays? Let me tell you something about Willie Mays, and I will fight people about this. We will get into fist fights about this. When the Will Ponds opened up City Field, and I'm not talking about the Jackie Robinson rotunda because Jackie Robinson is bigger than baseball, and I think we all need to understand that, that honoring Jackie was not about the Dodgers. I want to make that clear. It was about Jackie Robinson and everything he did for America. But in other areas, City Field felt like a monument towards the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I'd be okay with that if the Wilpons also honored the New York baseball Giants because the Mets lineage is from the Dodgers and Giants. The Dodgers and Giants left, we all know, in 1957, and so we were left without a National League team until 1962. We all know the story. The colors of the Mets comes from the blue of the Dodgers, the orange of the Giants. So I have always been all for honoring that history from prior to the Mets' existence. Because the Mets aren't rivals with the New York Giants or the Brooklyn Dodgers. That's our ancestors. And we need to appreciate that. Clearly, when the Mets were first created, their idea was let's bring back as many former Dodgers and Giants as we could. And that's what they did. So when City Field opened, the, the literal stadium was shaped like Ebbets Field. Like the stadium. You, you're outside it. It looks like Ebbets Field. Again, no problem with that because the Dodgers are part of the Mets lineage. The special club that you may now know as the Hyundai Club, that wasn't its original name. That club, that little jetted out area, it's a great seat to watch a game with the all-you-can-eat food, that's the Hyundai Club. It was initially called the Ebbets Club. Again, no problem with that. I have great respect for the Dodgers. But there was not a mention, not one freaking mention of the New York Giants. And that always bothered me. Maybe because I'm an old soul. Maybe it's because my grandfather was a Giants fan. And if the Giants and Dodgers didn't move, this podcast would not be Rico Bronia. It'd be me as a Giants fan. Maybe Hoff would be a Dodger fan. I know Beningo would have been a Dodger fan. And that's fine. I would have been a Giants fan. And I love the history of the New York Giants. And while I was never asking for necessarily a monument for John McGraw or a statue for Malott, the one thing that I always wanted was if you're going to honor the Dodgers, which I'm a fan of, you honor the Giants. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because, of course, Willie May should be honored. That's not even a question. I got a text message from a dude from a Yankee fan friend of mine. Yankee fan, of course. And he said, what a disgrace. I said, excuse me? So what a disgrace there. Willie Mays. He was there for a year and a half. He was falling on his face in 1973. And I tried to be calm. I said, schmuck. Schmuck face. Do you think the New York Mets and Joan Payson initially 
wanted to honor Willie Mays because of the 73 Mets, because of the 72 Mets came over in 72. Do you really think that's why Willie Mays' numbers retired, you stupid schmuck? And he's like, well, yeah, what a loser. It's like, excuse me? Willie Mays was a New York icon. Willie Mays, when the Giants moved to San Francisco, and, and by the way, they'll, they'll tell you lies now, he wasn't accepted in San Francisco. They didn't like him. He was the New York guy. Besides all the ridiculous racism he had to deal with and the fact that houses wouldn't be sold to Willie Mays in the 60s, besides that, which we, you know, is disgraceful, Willie Mays was never accepted by the Giant fans. True. He was the New York guy. So he's our guy. And so since the Giants don't play in Manhattan anymore, and since the Giants' legacy, and they do honor their New York legacy, and I appreciate that, who in New York is going to honor Willie Mays? Who's going to do that? Not going to do it at Yankee Stadium, nor should they. Who the hell's going to do that? Well, the Mets have to do that. So my only critique about Willie Mays' number being retired now, my only critique is, why didn't it happen 40 years ago? Joan Payson wanted to do it. Her family still owned the team after she passed away. Why did it not happen before Doubleday and the Wilpons took over? I can't answer that. And maybe we'll never get an answer to that. But that should have happened after he retired. Not because of 1973 and not because of 1972 and not because Willie Mays was a Met. Because Willie Mays was a giant. And we as Met fans, I know it's a long time ago. I understand that. We need to appreciate, respect, and embrace our history. They are our ancestors. That's who the Giants are. That's who the Dodgers are. And if you want to put a freaking statue out there for Mel Ott, I'm all for you. The greatest pitcher in the history of baseball, in my opinion, just my opinion, what the hell do I know, is Christy Mathewson. And he pitched in New York. If you want to put a statue out there for Christy Mathewson, you should. Now, I'm not. I want to make something clear. I'm not campaigning for this because I know that a lot of people would be like, what the hell is this? Look, Steve Cohen has done a a miraculous job of honoring our history. I'm going to get into that old timers day and how awesome it was, but it's not just us. Now we have 60 years of Met history. There is a plenty, plenty of Met history to honor. And I'm telling you, we should do that. Like me honoring the giants doesn't mean we should do it by not honoring the Mets. That was the problem the Wilpons did. Let's understand what they did. They honored the Dodgers and never honored the Giants, but worse, they never honored the Mets. (laughs) What I'm asking for, and Steve is delivering, is honor the Dodgers, of course. Honor the Giants, of course. But of course, honor the New York Mets. I thought the Willie Mays announcement was effing awesome. Uh, His number being retired is a thank you for what he did in this city in playing baseball in New York for the iconic moments that he was a part of. That's why his number is being retired. Let's not get this screw loose here. Hank Aaron's number is retired in Milwaukee for the Brewers. For the Brewers? No, Milwaukee. Because he played for the Milwaukee Braves and briefly played for the Milwaukee Brewers, much like Willie Mays briefly played for the New York Mets. So how they kept that a secret... I I don't know. I think it's amazing that they did. I thought it was awesome. In a perfect world, Willie Mays would have been there. Obviously, had his age and the health conditions he's going through. 
I understand why he wasn't. I know he was there when they closed down Chase Stadium, and I thought that was epic. So for any idiot, and you are, you're an idiot, who just doesn't appreciate history, who questions why the Mets would honor Willie Mays, that's why. Hopefully my explanation fit here. It's not the Mets. It's not about the Mets, and that's okay. It's about the history of New York National League Baseball, which I love and we all should love. Well, I I, I think as a fan of the Mets and maybe not as passionate, because I I can't do what you just did. I can't say what you just said. I love the team. I love the history. But that's the thing is the history has never really been spoken of. It's always been hidden. It's always been shunned. It's always been negative moments. So the fact that something, and you're going to dive into it right now with Old Timers Day, but the fact that something like Willie Mays is being, someone like that is being honored, it's awesome. We get to talk about something, not to just brag, but like open up another chapter that maybe not everyone knows about. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's, it's odd. If you go to Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. has an incredible amount of baseball history. Now, it's not all good history, but they have a lot of baseball history. One of the greatest pitchers of all time was Walter Johnson. He pitched for the Washington Senators. You're in this weird battle. If you're the Washington Nationals, do you honor the old Washington Senators? Do you talk about your great prestigious history? Prestigious, I'm being very kind, but you know what I mean. Like, they have a history, just like we have a history. It may not be the best history, but it's our history. And I think the Nationals over the last few years have done a great job of not only honoring the Senators, a team that's a long-distant relative. We are closer relatives to the Giants and Dodgers because we came into existence just a few years later. For the Nationals, it was decades later. But they've done a great job of honoring the history of Washington and then also another delicate situation, honoring the franchise's history, which is tied to the Montreal Expos, which nobody in D.C. has any connection to. It's complicated. I think if you're a Yankee fan, it's, it's pretty easy. You've been around since really the beginning. You had one year in Baltimore, if you want to look that up. But you were the Yankees. You were the Highlanders. You have a pretty easy history to discuss. But I think when you're a franchise that's either moved, like I give the example of the Nationals, or you have relatives that kind of created you in a way, because there are no Mets without the Dodgers and Giants. If either one of those teams does not move, there is no New York Mets. And then we all just pick a side. Now, either we're Dodger fans or we're Giant fans or one team's left and you just happen to root for that team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon 
into the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. But what Steve Cohen did over the weekend is he corrected two wrongs. He honored the Giants. I've already made that clear. We can move on from that. And then, like you said, Pete, we talked about our history and we honored our history because the Mets have been around for a very long time now, 60 years. The last time they had an old-timers day, I was in the building that day, believe it or not. It was in 1994. Now, want to hear something crazy? In 1994, the Mets had only been around for 32 years and really only had one era of baseball to honor because at that point, 1986 was too recent. So for the 1994 old-timers day, nobody from the 80s came back. I mean, Daryl Strawberry was still playing. Doc Gooden was still on the team. Think about that. So they honored this, the really the mid-70s, but really 69, 73. That was, that was it. And what they did in 1994 that day is they actually brought in rivals. The Mets didn't play the Mets that day. The Mets played a bunch of Orioles and athletics. They talked about the 69 World Series and the 73 World Series. So I remember that day, and I want to make something clear. That building was empty that day. There's a reason why old-timers, they stopped. Because nobody went. That's the truth. That's an absolute. Now, that doesn't mean it should have been eliminated for the last 30 years. I'm not suggesting that. But in 1994, it was dead. Nobody cared. Should they have brought it back by, let's say, 1999 or 2000 or 2003? Absolutely. But in 1994, it was a dead event. But in 2022, Steve Cohen and Jay Horowitz, I give Jay a lot of credit. He pulled this off. Boy, They made this event magical. The 30 minutes of announcing guys on the field and all of us having different emotions to each person that's announced. Obviously, there's a handful of guys, more than a handful, that were before our time. When you're talking about 62 Mets, we just hear stories about them, even the 69 Mets. But when they start announcing guys that we watched, whether it was in our youth, whether it was a guy we named the podcast after, Rico Bronya. And I stood up and I clapped for him. And I was wearing my Rico Bronya jersey that day. And the guy behind me had a very good line. He's like, you know, somebody should name a podcast after him. And I said, I get what you're doing there, sir. I appreciate that. But every time somebody was announced, there was like an emotion. You know, good emotions, sometimes bad emotions, sometimes frustrated emotions, sometimes happy emotions. It was... Oh, my God, just the announcements, even before they played a game, the announcements were the best part. Now, I had some opinions on who got cheered and who didn't. You know, Bartolo Colon getting maybe the biggest hand it sort of bothers me. I, I like Bart. I have nothing against Bartolo Colon. I get why he's beloved. But Hoff, I could argue right now he had the biggest ovation at Old Timers Day. And that's incredible. But I, I understand it because he is just big sexy. And there's like a jolliness and a funness to it. It's like Vogelbach in like 15 years may come back. He might get just as much love. Be it's possible. 
I, I, I get why. No, I, I do understand it. It really doesn't annoy me. It's just more, come on, Bartolo Colon's getting the biggest hand. But obviously, Daryl Strawberry got a rousing ovation. Doc, Keith, Mike Piazza got what I like to call the Joe DiMaggio treatment. There always used to be a debate at Yankees Old Timers Day when, you know, the legends were still around. They still have legends, but you know what I mean, like DiMaggio, Mantle, crap like that. Who should get announced last? And sometimes it's complicated. You know who should be announced last? Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle? I mean, free, take your take your goddamn pick. Like, how do you pick between that? I think we're going to have a debate about that once David decides to show up. Do you give it to David Wright? Do you give it to Mike Piazza? I don't know if it's as open and shut. You know, and obviously as the years go by, it may be more complicated with this era of Met players. But at least for now, when David decides to show up, I think he gets the closing treatment over Piazza. For now... Obviously, if Seaver was alive, there'd be no debate. It'd be just George Thomas Seaver. See you later. Obviously, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But Piazza got the superstar treatment. And so the announcements in itself, even though it was endless and it took like 35 minutes, was freaking awesome. They did a great job of getting guys to show up. I know there are guys that we missed. I mentioned David Wright. There's no point of, you know, belaboring it. Guy's not ready to come to Old Timers Day. It's as simple as that. Now, when will he be ready? We'll find out. I don't know. Maybe it's five years from now. Maybe if they have an event in the next couple of years, he'll come then. He's just not ready. I'm not mad at him. He's still in his 30s. Like He's not ready. And here's the difference between David Wright and, let's say, Daniel Murphy, who did show up. Daniel Murphy retired and seems at peace with retiring. He had a very good latter part of his career, especially when he left the Mets and had the MVP caliber year with the Nationals. David Wright was had baseball ripped away from him. It did. You know, and I know you could argue, well, everyone in a way has baseball ripped from them. You know, they get to their 40s. They're not as good. It's different. This guy was in the prime of his career and had baseball ripped away from him. And so he, more than others, I could totally understand saying, no, I'm not I'm not ready to go back. And he doesn't have to play in the game. Look, the game was an afterthought. I, I really think that. It was about seeing the guys. Now, did I enjoy the game? Yes. Was the quality of baseball awful? Yes, it was. I had my fan baseball championship the following day, and I could argue there was a better quality of baseball. I really could. The defense was better in fan baseball than it was in the old-timers game. But not not that I'm bragging by any stretch. I'm just saying, like, the, the baseball wasn't good. But here's what was good, and this is the part I cared about. When Mike Piazza's at the plate, and I'm just using this as an example because there's a lot of examples, it's like you're in a time warp because he's wearing his jersey, He's got the exact same batting stance. He slowly brings his bat down a home plate like he did 22 years ago. And you squint your eyes and you think to yourself, where am I? Especially with the pitching windups by everybody. You know, Pedro Martinez looked not velocity-wise, not stuff-wise, but it was a similar windup. I'm like, holy crap, it's Pedro Martinez. He's pitching. Al Leiter in slow motion. Obviously, Cologne looked like, you know, I mean, it was basically Bartolo Colon. I think the velocity may have been the same too. But seeing guys on the field, seeing Doc, again, the quality of his pitches were awful. I understand that. But seeing Doc Gooden and Jesse Orozco on the mound with their same windup. Like, you can't take a windup away from a guy. You can't take their batting stance away from them. And so that was, to me, kid in the candy store material right there. You squint your eyes and you think, Holy crap, these guys are back. But while I love that they played the game, because I think the Yankees made a big mistake by having old-timers and not playing the game, 
the game is the afterthought to it. I'm glad they do it, but it's really seeing all the guys on the field. And I'm trying to think of like my favorite moment from the all-timers game. Probably when Reyes popped up, first batter of the game, pops it up to Kevin Elster, and he falls on his keister. That was fantastic. And coincidentally, Hoff, you'll love this. So my son and my wife, my father, my father-in-law, all go to old-timers day. But I also know it's going to be a long day. So my wife and son leave after old-timers day, which is totally fine. I don't want to burn, ever want to burn my kid out of baseball. So let him enjoy himself, leave on top. When I get home after the Met game at 1130 at night, everybody's sleeping but Jet. And what is he watching on the television screen? Little Big League. Wow. The movie we talked about about a week at Willie like Little Big League. He does. But here's the caveat. Here's the reason I bring it up, Hoff. Why am I mentioning Little, League, Little Big League in the middle of a discussion about Old Timers Day? Do you know the answer? Or do you want I, me to tell you? You have to tell me. I don't know. I don't know the correlation. One of the... Okay, I'll give, I'll give all the Rico Bronia listeners 30 seconds. I just let, let just marinate. Little Big League... Old Timers Day. The last thing I said before I jumped to Little Big League was I described Jose Reyes popping up a ball to shortstop and an individual who is an old timer falling on his ass. Well, tick-tock, okay, we're done. When I walked in to watch Little Big League, who's on my screen? Kevin Elster. (laughs) Kevin Elster was in Little Big League. Uh, did you realize that? I did not. I never saw it, so I didn't know. Oh, that, that's right. You didn't see it, right? You ruined the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real solid movie. It really. I'm not going to give away the ending because I don't want to devastate <laughs> Pete funny. Hoffman here. But it does. It does have a twist at the end. I'll leave it at that. Oh, okay. Okay. So but when but, you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I all right, but but though the fact is that Kevin Elster, you saw him not once but twice in the same day. Yes. Well, first I see when Kevin Elster, who I fine met, great defensive shortstop, then must have done something when he went to Texas because he had a ton of home runs. I'm not making any implications, but Kevin Elster was always good-looking guy, Hollywood guy, wanted to be an actor. When they showed Elster on the big screen as he jogged out on the field. I looked at my dad. My dad looks at me, and we're like, "Who the hell is that? That's not Kevin Elster. Like, what? Who's that person?" Everybody looked like themselves, and then Kevin Elster looked like just like a different person. I don't know who the hell he was. And of course, he drops the pop up in left field. From a gameplay standpoint, the best old timer performance wise was Mookie Wilson. Mookie was the um, old timers day MVP. He made a great run and catch in left field, and he hit probably the hardest hit ball of the game. And I think he got a hit off Bartolo Colon, who got exposed. Here's the problem with Big Bart. He goes out there. He's like, ooh, I got an audition going on. First pitch he throws, I think it was to Edgardo Alfonso, was quote-unquote fastball. I'm not sure how fast it was. And Fonzie steps out and laughs and says, are you kidding me? Really, we're going to do this? And then the Mets proceeded to hit him. (laughs) So... Like, he was giving up hard-hit balls. And then when he was taken out of the game, and I forget who came in. Maybe Pedro came in at that point. You can see Cologne was like, pissed. Like, what, are you taking me out? That's it? So his audition did not go well. Andy Chavez looked good, though. He was probably the other guy who you looked at and said, ah, he could probably still go. But I would say the Rico Bronia, no offense, Rico, he didn't look good. The Rico Bronia, old-timers day MVP, 
to me, the award clearly goes to Mookie Wilson. Not even, and think about how how old Mookie is. Hoff, he's got to be in his 60s, 67 years he's old. He's 66 because his son was t- tweeting about. It. He goes, "My 66 uh, year old dad just had uh, what was it, two for two? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> amazing, great. amazing. That was great. And I thought they played it j- the right amount of time. It was a little over an hour before. I, I think after two and a half innings, they stopped it. I think that was the right amount of time because it's a long day at the ballpark. Uh, the Mets did screw something up, and I do want to address this. For those that went, if you watched it at home, this probably well, definitely doesn't impact you. But they kept telling us the ceremonies would begin at 4.30, which they did, no question, and that the ballpark was opening up at 3.30. So you only gave yourself an hour to have the ballpark open and the people come in. So I get to the ballpark early, like everybody else, 3.15. The, I've never seen lines this long. I mean, the lines are insane because they think 40,000 people, maybe 40 is too much. Let's say 30,000 people all showed up at 3 o'clock to get in at 3.30. So they had insane lines. And that's bad. That's bad part number one. Bad part number two is it was so hot outside that I had heard, I didn't see any, but I was told by a few people that a few people needed medical attention, that it was so hot outside while people are waiting on these long lines that you had major dehydration issues. So it's just one of those things where for the future, there's nothing you can do about it now. Hopefully everybody's okay. Open the gates up earlier. I don't think you ever want to put your fans in a spot in which you're telling them, hey, the event starts at 4.30. Naturally, they're not getting there at 4.15. They're getting there early. They want to make sure they're there. And so it created... A real logjam getting into that ballpark. So I thought that was a little bit of an F up. Uh, obviously, everybody eventually got in. And by 4.30, it was a pretty packed crowd. So everyone eventually got in. But considering how hot it was outside, I don't think that was a good idea. So hopefully the Mets fix that for the next time. The last thing about Old Timers Day, and this is a tough one, Hoff. I want you to think about this. I may have had this discussion with Steve Cohen. <laughs> this may have been the thing me and him talked about. Old Timers Day was a great success. Everybody loves it. Everybody's happy. Anyone who was on the fence about Willie Mays, hopefully we convinced you in the first 10 minutes of this podcast. I don't know if you do this same event every single year, if the juice is going to be there five years from now. And the example I'd use would be the New York Yankees. Old Timers Day for the Yankees has lost a lot of luster to the point where they did not have a game this year. So I think what the Mets have to be careful about, and I don't have the answer. I have ideas, but I don't have the answer is how often do you have an event like this? This was the first time they had old-timers day in 28 years. So naturally, it was a big effing deal. Kevin Mitchell's here. Holy crap, I didn't know what he looked like. (laughs) What happens if you do the same thing next year? So off the top of your head, Hoff, we love that they're appreciating Met history, but is this something that you can actually do every year, or is it something you almost have to wait on? You can do it every year. And it's going to be crazy. Here's why. You grab a moment or a few moments and you try to recreate them in the old-timers day. Like, for example, Jose Reyes, what he should have done is laid a bunt, got the first base, and walked off. (laughs) It's what he should have done. And you just add moments like that from the Mets. Listen, the Mets play, uh, you know, amazing moments constantly. They have amazing games. I'm, listen, you can't recreate a Piazza home run. I understand that. But there's moments that you can kind of buy into and cre- recreate. 
have like a whole team from a certain era show up. Listen, 86 Mets, that's basically what would happen. But you, I think you can find a way to be creative and do whatever you Yes. Do. So the last part of what you said is where I'm with you on because I've been thinking about this. As Lugie probably would take a shot from the Rico the other day, Evan's got too much time on his hands. <laughs> well, trust me. I've got no time on my hands, but somehow this brain works while I'm doing a million other things. Um, I think what you need is themes. What you need is a really good theme. And I'm going to give you an example that would never, ever happen, but I just want to give you an example, and then we can work with other ideas. If you went to the New York Yankees all right, and said, we're going to have a 2000 Subway World Series rematch. That's what we're doing. We want to get as many guys... From that 2000 team, I know you're not going to get everybody. Jeter's not showing up, and you stay. And we can't take it seriously. Obviously, as Met fans, we can't think, "Oh boy, we better win this rematch." <laughs> but I think if you pick a year, and I know that may not be the best example because we lost. I acknowledge that, but I think you have to be open that we lost more times than we won. There's only two championships, so <laughs> let's be honest. And I'm sorry, you're not having a rematch of 1969. That's not going to happen. That worked in 1993, 1994. Not going to work in 2022. But I think themes are the way to go. And I love our history. And I appreciate our history. And I'm glad that they had a 60-year reunion, in essence, by bringing everybody back. But now that you've shown that, I think you do the team thing. And I think you kind of stage bringing in rivals. I think you could do a rivalry series. Like next year, it's the Mets against the hated rivals. Chipper Jones shows up. Chase Utley shows up. Pat Burrell shows up. Random guys that we forget. Josh Willingham, who had a home run in the last game at Shea Stadium, bring his ass in. Like, why that? And and here's what's great about this. Because I think even I would do this. Even I soften up. If you bring Chipper Jones back in an environment like this, it'll be so good natured. We'll boo him, but it'll be, look at this guy. We got him back. And then Chipper's at the plate and he's facing John Franco. Like, I think that's the way to keep it interesting because, look, you had 40,000 people there for Old Timers Day. If you run the same promotion every single year with no differences, I don't know if you get that juice and you even get that crowd. Because look at the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees got a big crowd. They get a big crowd for every game, but I don't think there was ever any juice for Old Timers Day. So I think you got to be get, get creative with themes and ideas and not take it too seriously because, you know, Chipper Jones could hit a home run and we can't cry about it because this ain't 1999. But I think that could be a lot of fun. Would you even go – like, listen, a lot. unfortunately the Mets haven't won that many World Series or haven't had the, as many high notes. So you're talking about, like, recreating situations that maybe not might not be as great. Like, would you do a 2007 Mets versus the Marlins? No. No, okay. no, that I wouldn't do. Okay. <laughs> the, the only reason I bring up 2000, and it's too early for 2015, 2015's too recent, is it was a World Series. Like, there is an accomplishment in getting to a World Series. There is. As much as it devastates us that the Mets lost to the New York Yankees, they won the pennant that year. 1973, the Mets got to the World Series, and I think they did have an old-timers day theme in which it was the Mets against the A's again. Um... Look, I know the 2000 thing is still a sore subject, a sore subject for me. And it's not like a happy, happy memory. That's why I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just using it as an example. Um, that's why maybe doing the just the rivals, like get a get 20 guys that we hated, some of which you forget about. 
Some of which are like, oh, crap, that's right. That son of a bitch used to kill the Mets. Random guys to come back. Because I think that adds to the intrigue of John Rockers walking through that door. And, and I'll tell you this. As crazy as that guy was, I met John Rocker once. We had a very nice discussion. I told him he was a douchebag. And he laughed. And he's like, oh, okay. I said, no, really, I hate your guts. But I appreciate that you're coming on my show. It was on Maxim Radio years ago. But I could tell he had a good sense of humor about it. Now, he's a redneck, hillberry, racist prick. But with all that said, he had a good-natured feel to him about his rivalry with the Mets. So maybe John Rocker would come back. But I think the rivalry thing could work. But here's the point. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening right now who have better ideas than the ones I suggested. I think that's how you can make old-timers day work in the future, where you go themes with it as opposed to the same thing every year. Because I think the same thing every year eventually won't have the same charm that it had in 2022. No, I, I agree. And that's, again, like we talk about the Yankees, it's, it's boring. It's the same people over and over and over. And there's no disrespect to those classic Yankees, but change it up, make it fun. That's the point. It's yes. supposed to be fun. Absolutely. And I think the themes like that would be fun. I do not think Al Leiter threw at Mike Piazza. Just want to make that clear. I don't think Al Leiter was honoring Roger Clemens. That's a guy, by the way, talking about rivals. Get that, get that guy back here. <laughs> get Ro- I don't think Piazza would like it very much, but you could invite Roger Clemens to come back for one of these things. Him and Kurt uh, but Schilling. But old-timers day. What was that? Schill- uh, well, who was the Phillies? I hated Kurt Schilling. I hated him when he was the Phillies. Yeah, no, no, he was a rival. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I don't know if I ever hated him. I remember that great comeback we had against him in 1999 where Gardo Alfonso got the game-winning hit. But you're right. No, Schilling's a, he's a good example. Really, anybody, truthfully, if you want to fill out 25, 30 guys, guys who played for the Braves, guys who played for the Phillies, guys who even played for the Marlins, guys who just played for those teams, uh, and we just saw a lot of them because we, we had an era of baseball that's about to end in 2023 where you faced your division 19 times a year. I mean, that was, I think that started in about 2000 or 2001. So it's a good 20-year run where even if you beat those teams a lot, we hated everybody that we played 19 times a year. Anytime you see the same human being 19 times a year, you just want to rip their face off. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But uh, great old timers day. Thank you, Steve Cohen. And speaking of which, so at the Pete Alonzo event, a big event. Pete's there. Brought a couple of teammates. Great comedy event. There was an auction. Eh, fun time. So we're taking pictures because there was a little uh, 
section before the event where people would take pictures with Pete, me, and Craig. I kind of felt bad because halfway through, I'm realizing half these people don't want to take a picture with me, with Craig. They just want it with Pete Alonzo. <laughs> so halfway through, I see my wife, who I, I, I lost her halfway through, even though it was our anniversary celebration. And the event, that part of the event ends. And my wife comes up to me and says, honey, I just met Steve Cohen. And I said, what? 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 I mean, you met Steve Cohen. She's like, I did. And I went up to him and we had a chat. And I said, you had a chat? So the first thing she said is, you know what? I think he knows who you are. <laughs> I said, really? And she's like, yeah. I was introduced as Evan Roberts' wife. And he at least made it seem as if, oh, great to meet you. I was like, well, he could have been pretending. So my wife says to Steve Cohen, Steve, I got to tell you something. And I know my husband, Evan, wants to tell you this face to face, but I'm going to say it for him. Thank you so much. Thank you for buying the team. Thank you for doing everything you're doing. Uh, needless to say, he and his father are very happy <laughs> that you're the owner and those other guys aren't. And I'm like, honey, thank you. Now, here's the problem, baby. And she says, what? I said, what am I going to say now when I meet him? That's what I was going to tell him. You took, you stole my material. So she got to meet him first. Then I went upstairs to this VIP area. And I got to meet Steve. And we shook hands. And I said, listen, man, thank you so much. This is, this is tremendous. What you've done with this team is tremendous. Old Timers Day was amazing. I was like, yeah, no problem. He says no problem as if he, he handed me nothing. Like he gave me a piece of gum. Like I said, hey, do you have an extra piece of gum? Steve's like, sure. No problem. That's how he says no problem to all these grandiose thank yous that I have. And I, I think I represent 98% of the Met fan base when I say thank you, Steve Cohen. So we talked a little bit about Old Timers Day and how great it was. And I asked him, by the way, what the hell happened with David Wright? He's like, I don't know. Couldn't make it. What can I tell you? And then I brought up my theme ideas to him about Old Timers Day. Because <laughs> I asked him, I said, would you do it again? And his answer was, I don't really know right now. He's like, look, I'm just listening to the fans. The fans wanted it. Gave the fans what they want. I love that. I love that, dude. Yeah, no, he, he Pete, he comes across, and I, and I don't think this is a surprise. I'm not breaking any news here with this. So if you thought I was, I apologize. It was never going to happen. <laughs> it was just me kissing his ass for five minutes, essentially. Uh, oh, yeah, then he gave me a, a programming job where I can... I forget it. I'm not going to get into that. He gave me a job that I gladly accepted. Now, I made a joke that he should buy SNY and put Carton Roberts on all day. And his joke back was, you know what? If I do that, you can program the entire channel as well. And I said, Ooh. oh, thank you, Steve. <laughs> Ooh. So I got a lot of classic Met games I want to add to the, uh, to the <laughs> list of games. But he comes across like a really down-to-earth dude. But the best part of what he's doing, besides the money, I think we all know that, that he spends money and cares about winning, is that, and he showed this in the conversation with me, but he's shown this with the way he's acted. He listens to us as fans. Like, he is literally the owner that you want to create in a science lab. He's got a ton of money. And he gives a crap what we think and what we want. Now, we're not monolithic. We don't have the same view or the same opinion. But when we do come together on something like black uniforms or old timers day, this guy listens. And so basically my five minutes was thanking him 
and representing all of you that we appreciate that this guy has bought this team. Now, I wrestled with something, Pete. There was something I wanted to say to him that I did not say. I'm going to make it clear I did not say this. And I felt like if I said this, I would have gone full fanboy mode. I was already a big fanboy enough, but this would have been maybe too far in my fanboyness. So I held back. And I want you to be honest with me and say, Evan, you were smart for holding back, or come on, Evan, you should have said it. And it was in my brain. It was in my lips during that first silence of awkwardness that may have come between me and Mr. Cohen. When I'm like, where's the conversation going now? And I was about to say it, and I didn't. I held back. I showed restraint. I was going to say to him, by the way, Steve, you need to pay Jacob DeGrom whatever the F he wants. That's what I was holding back. And I was like, "Ah, you know what? Do I really want to tell this guy what to do with his money? I can do that on the radio. He's going to hear me give that opinion. Do I, man to man, eye to eye, tell him that he should just open up the coffers for Jake? And I was part of me was afraid of what he was going to say back. Like, nah, I'm not going to pay him. Nah, he would never say that. And I know publicly he has said, we're going to do whatever it takes to keep him. But I held back from saying that. So in your opinion, Hoff, should I just have said it? Yeah, you should have said Jacob deGrom <laughs> is, is, is a Met for life, right? And just put it that way. No, no question about money. Nothing like that. Don't, don't. Again, don't, don't position as you have to spend all this money. No, it's just he, he should know the value of Jacob Degrom to this fan base. So you, fail. I think he does, <laughs> and I think this Jake thing is going to end one of two ways, and I think we're going to have to respect this if it ends this way. I want to make this clear. I will not even be. I'll be disappointed. I won't be angry. I think the Mets are going to make him the biggest offer. I really do. I I have confidence that Steve Cohen, from a financial standpoint, in an average annual salary, and probably with years, but years can always be the dicey part, I think he's going to offer Jake the most money. And I fear that Jacob DeGrom, for whatever reason, maybe it's just living closer to where he's from, uh, could opt to go somewhere else for less money in a John Olerud kind of move. And none of us are bitter against John Olerud. But the truth is... John Olerud left money on the table to go sign with the Seattle Mariners. That's what he did. And we don't hate him. Not a bad word was said about him. We all kind of respected that he just wanted to be closer to his family. Now, John Olerud is not Jacob DeGrom. John Olerud was a beloved Met, and he was a very valuable Met. And while Todd Zeal was great in that 2000 postseason, so I don't want to take anything away from him, John Olerud was better and was a better fit for that team. I think the Mets would necessarily win the World Series in 2000 because, again, Todd Zeal was great in the 2000 postseason. He's the one who's supposed to have driven in Timo Perez if he still ran, besides the point. So I think it's one of those things where if they don't re-sign Jacob DeGrom, it's not going to be because of us. It's not going to be because of Steve. It would just be because Jacob DeGrom wants to go somewhere else. And I think if it involves, and I don't know this for sure, because I think he's from Florida, so he's not going to a Florida team. If anything, he's just going closer to where he would live, whether it's the Braves or the Astros or the Texas Rangers or, I don't know, whatever geographic location is well, close yeah, to no, home. But you, but you, you mentioned Braves, but that, that's a team that's, that's come up a couple times. If he's from Florida, why Atlanta? Why, why is Atlanta the destination? Oh, I, I don't know. You, I'm literally just looking at a map saying this is closer to where he lives, but you're right. If you get on an airplane, what the hell's the difference? I, I don't know. I'm not negative that he's going to leave. I'm not a believer that he's going to leave. It's just that 
the way I view free agency, and I've always said this, is that you run a dangerous game when you get there. And by the way, the facts have proven this out over the last 20 years. There have been guys who have gotten a free agency, and our initial reaction is there's no way that guy leaves. And I'm going to give you two examples. And by the way, they both left. Freddie Freeman is the most recent one. There's no way he leaves Atlanta. And I don't want to hear about what happened and his breakup with his agent. It doesn't matter. He left Atlanta. It doesn't matter. He's on another team now. And the other guy, and don't do revisionist history on this. When this guy got to free agency, we all thought he was going to resign, and that's Albert Pujols. None of us thought he was ever going to leave St. Louis, and he did. And we, we know why. In Pujols' case, a team was there to make an offer that the Cardinals said, sorry, we're not doing it. The Freeman thing's a little murkier. So what I've always thought about free agency is if you ever let a guy get there, you risk losing them. I don't care how obvious we think it is. And by the way, Aaron Judge is in the same boat. It's why, even though I may predict Judge will stay with the Yankees or DeGrom will stay with the Mets, nothing should shock you. Nothing. Nothing. Because when you leave a guy enough of an opportunity to think about, oh, I like Northern California. I'm from there. F it. I'm going to go home. And you all can laugh about that as Mets fans, but we may be in the same boat. Because Jacob DeGrom may say to himself, ah, Houston, that's a lot closer to where I live and similar to where I'm from. F it. I'm going to go there. And that's what's dangerous. And that's why, ideally, and the Mets did this a few years ago with Jake. I screamed about this on the radio four years ago, and I think I won this, while others said you can't give DeGrom a contract off a career season because people thought 2018 was a career season. That was the thought at the time. Can't pay him after this year. And my thought was you have to. You got to keep him. You don't risk letting a guy get to free agency. So with DeGrom, with Judge, I think it's the same in that whenever you let a guy get to free agency, you run into a bigger risk. So that's just the way that is. Real quick on the Dodgers, uh, this series coming up. Look, I know the Mets haven't hit over the last week. I think Hoff and Lugie did a great job covering that. They didn't hit against the Yankees. They didn't hit against Colorado. It was an uninspiring, I admit, three out of four. But they won three out of four. That's the reality. And I'm happy with the series, despite the frustration of losing the finale one nothing. Here's what's crazy about the Dodgers. And I know that this is something I shouldn't say because the Mets are about to play a three-game series against a team who, in all likelihood, will set the major league record for most wins over a two-year period. I'm not even kidding you. They're going to do that. Because I think the record must have been the 98 Yankees and the 99 Yankees, 114 wins, 98 wins. I think that adds up to 212 over two years. They won 105 games, 106 games last year. They're going to do that again. They're 89 and 38. So from a regular season winning standpoint, this Dodger run that they're on is historic. And I acknowledge that. And I acknowledge that their lineup is very scary. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, uh, Trey Turner. I mean, just those three guys alone <laughs> scares the crap out of me. I know Justin Turner's having a down year, and Cody Bellinger is not the same guy we thought he was a few years ago, and Max Muncie hasn't produced the way we maybe thought, but is a real scary lineup. But I'll tell you this about the Dodgers, and you're going to see it in this three-game series, and they may get shut down by Andrew Haney. They may get shut down by Tyler Anderson. But did you just hear those two names I mentioned? Tyler Anderson and Andrew Haney. Andrew Haney was a guy we were running out of New York a year ago. This guy sucks. When he's pitched, and he's only pitched like 10 or 11 games for the Dodgers, he's been fantastic. 
Tyler Anderson? What? Tyler Anderson is a journeyman lefty. Like, come on. How is this happening? Now, again, Tyler Anderson pitched really well against the Mets earlier this season, and he may well go pitch seven scoreless innings in this series. So I'm not saying this as some kind of double jinx. I just, I'm amazed at how good the Dodgers are, and statistically, they're great at everything. They got the best team RA, team ERA in baseball. They got the best starters ERA in baseball. They got, like, the fourth best bullpen ERA in baseball, even though Craig Kimbrell's a disaster, and he won't be available for the first game of this series based on what happened on Monday night, and I think he even pitched Sunday. But... I look at their rotation, and and that's the thing we're prideful about. It's the thing we look at and say we're the best at with Scherzer and DeGrom, Bassett, one, two, three. I look at the Dodger rotation, and here's what I see. I see Julio Urias, who I have great respect for, back-to-back, really good seasons, 25 years old. He's awesome. Put him in the corner. He's awesome. Not going to say a bad word about him. I see a 34-year-old Clayton Kershaw, who's never healthy, and has never been a big-time postseason performer, he may come back off the IL in the finale of this series, or he'll pitch Friday and avoid the Mets. So you got Clayton Kershaw. You got Tyler Anderson, who's having a great year. Hoff, Tyler Anderson last year, how would we have viewed him? If the Mets had acquired him, we'd have been like, oh, yeah, back of the rotation guy. Yeah, that's basically it. You don't, no one expected anything out of him. He's a stud in, in L.A. He's a stud. Now, I, I'm, I'm skeptical. Because I think eventually, it's like Esteban Loaiza when he had that amazing season late in his career. You look at him and say, he's Esteban Loaiza. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's a Cy Young Award winner? Andrew Haney? Like, that rotation. And, and, and by the way, I'm leaving guys out. Here's who I'm leaving out. Tony Gonsolin just went on the IL. And here's my reaction to this. As a fantasy owner of Tyler, Tony Gonsolin. So I'm affected by this. Justin Verlander, too. I know Lugie mentioned that the other day, though. I still have Scherzer. I still have DeGrom. I still have Brandon Woodruff. I'm okay. But Tony Gonsolin's got a forearm injury. I don't know how serious this is. I can't think about him now for the next few weeks. Walker Bueller's basically done. Poor guy needs Tommy John surgery. So, and oh, by the way, they have a closer they can't rely on. Craig Kimbrell has been a walking contradiction this season. So, I don't want to badmouth the team that's 89 and 38 where the Mets are about to play three games against them. And I'm not badmouthing them. What I'm really saying is I look at this team and say, wow, they have flaws. Wow, they're beatable. Now, I know all the numbers say, Evan, they're amazing. They've got a run differential of 286. The Met run differential is 127. Like, it is night and day. They've got, like I mentioned, best team ERA in baseball, best starters ERA in baseball. They score the most runs. And I I won't say a bad word about that lineup because that lineup is loaded. But I see flaws when it comes to their rotation from a health standpoint. I see flaws when it comes to their bullpen. I see a team that despite that record, they are not to me as good as they are and as good as their record says they are. With that said, there's going to be a challenge for three games. And considering the Braves are taking on the Colorado Rockies, it ain't going to be easy. But I do want to thank the Cardinals. I want to thank Lars Newtbar. I want to thank... I just love that name. I want to thank the Cardinals as a whole. A couple of comeback victories on Saturday and Sunday after they blew the lead. They win two out of three against Atlanta. It felt like it was going to be a disaster all weekend. And considering the Mets did have a trip up on Sunday... The Mets have a three-game lead. If you would have told me going into this four-game weekend when the Mets were up by a game and a half going into Thursday night, you're going to double that lead. You're going to get it to three games going into Tuesday. I would have said thank you very much. So thank you to the St. Louis Cardinals, and hopefully 
the Colorado Rockies and my guy, Winton Bernard. Did you see that video with Winton Bernard? If you didn't cry, Bernard is the guy the Rockies called up. He's a 31-year-old minor 31-year-old, leader. yeah. Yeah. He gets called up, and they show the video where he's caught. He's, I'm going to cry talking about this. Where he's FaceTiming his mom, and he's like, I made it. And his mom's like, I'm so proud of you. And he's like, I'll never forget what you did and what dad did, getting me to practice, all that stuff. And I knew I'd make it, and I'm here. And he was 31 years old. It's, this is really a freaking awesome story. Getting emotional thinking about it. I hope Winton Bernard hits 850 <laughs> against the Atlanta <laughs> Braves this week. I hope Charlie Blackman goes back to the guy from five years ago and is an MVP caliber player for a week. Because, hey, the Braves were due to lose a few games, and they finally have. So this will be a fun week, though. A fun week. A little challenge against the Dodgers. Because after this, for a full month, the schedule gets a lot softer. Are you confident going into this Dodgers series off? Are you a little uh, trepidatious? No, I feel good. Again, like we we just talked about the fact that the Dodgers are not fully healthy, which means nothing. It really means nothing. It depends on, on what Mets show up. I'm I'm I I feel confident. Listen, they had a good series. They had a decent series. They survived a good series versus the Colorado Rockies. I say survived because there's a lot of faults there, but this is where they got to put up or you know or shut up. And I think they're gonna put up. I hope so. I certainly hope so. We'll have another Rico Bronya after this series is over. They have an odd four o'clock start on Thursday, so sometime late Thursday night. Certainly before you wake up Friday morning. You get another Rico Bronya as we react to a three-game series against the L.A. Dodgers. This three-game series is going to determine the season series because remember all the way back a few months ago, they split those four games in L.A. I think we were calling it the greatest split in the history of baseball. Now they have a three-game series in which we'll see Taiwan Walker, Andrew Haney in the opener. We'll see a great matchup between Tyler Anderson, who I know we're mocking, but there's no denying he's been great this season. He takes on Jacob DeGrom. And then the finale is going to be Chris Bassett against somebody. I had been reading that they're thinking about starting Clayton Kershaw in his return from the injured list on Thursday afternoon. So that's how it sets up this week. Uh, if you haven't heard, Lugie and Hoff did a great job recapping the series against the Rockies and talking about really being a Met fan overall. So check that out if you haven't gotten to it. And thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. Craig and I will be back Tuesday after Labor Day. So there is a little vacation going on. But the Rico Bronia doesn't go on vacation unless it's my anniversary. It's the only exception. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>